Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I go to awaken him. There's a remarkable little detail in the words that the early Christians used that signals just what kind of hope that they had in Jesus and what kind of hope we have today. And they buried their dead famously, famously in the catacombs of Rome. So many wanted to be buried next to the saints, to the martyrs. And they sort of adopted a new name for the places where they would place their dead. Up to that point, in the pagan world, he would always have a necropolis, a city of the dead, right outside the city of the living. And it always showed this finality of death. They live in that city now, not in this city. They would burn the bodies whole, showing that they're never coming back. This is it. For the Christians, though, they did not use necropolis to describe their, their catacombs, their places of rest. They called it a cemetery, which literally means a sleeping place. Because Jesus has reduced death, the death sentence all of us receive through sin, he's reduced it to sleep. And as easy as it is, to make one rise from the dead, so God can make, to make one rise from sleep, to make one rise from the dead. God, it is possible. With God, all things are possible. And I love visiting you know, those catacombs, seeing the images that they would imprint upon some of these tombs. Some very famous ones are Noah emerging from the ark. Only the ark is shaped like a tomb with a stone rolled across it and emerging out of the flood as a resurrection. Uh, Jonah in the belly of the whale, uh, opening the mouth of the fish as if it were a tomb, and him bursting out again. And then, of course, you know, Christ rising from the tomb. Uh, in all of these, there's sort of a second calling. Noah is remembered by God in the ark. God calls Noah by name again. Uh, Jonah is called again by name, when he is spat out on the shore, God calls him again to go to Nineveh. Lazarus is called forth by name again. There's something so remarkable about this calling by name. You know, when you think about it, you know, what gives us that great hope in resurrection? Is it not going back to the beginning, to the waters of creation, the spirit hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. If God can draw light out of nothing, then if he remembers your name, as he remembered Noah in the ark, if he calls you by name, if he says, Lazarus, come forth, then Lazarus will be. He has but to utter the name, and we are recreated, and we have new life. That is our Christian hope. And so this finality of death has been rolled back. The, the stone is being rolled back. God can, became man to roll this stone back. He became man to unleash for us uh, this great truth that death is not the end, that we can change. And this gets maybe to the more important message behind this story of Lazarus. Sort of reminds us of an earlier episode of the paralyzed man. And Jesus says, which is easier to say? You know, rise, take up your mat and walk where your sins are forgiven. It's much easier to say your sins are forgiven. It can't be seen. You can't prove it. 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I tell you, rise and walk. Something similar is happening with Lazarus here because the miracle of raising from the dead is actually not as powerful as the miracle of forgiveness of sins. When he raises Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus will die again someday. Uh, Even all of creation, right? When God creates the universe, all of creation will fade away someday. But when God forgives sins, it's something that is eternal. It's something that never ends. It's the beginning of eternal life. And that's why there's a, a remarkable little detail at the very end. Jesus says to them, untie Lazarus and let him go. It doesn't seem very remarkable statement, but the very word that's used there is the same word Jesus will use to describe forgiveness, forgiveness of sins, letting the sins go, unbinding the sins. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, whatever you forgive on earth shall be forgiven in heaven. There's this idea of forgiveness behind here as well. He has been separated from his sin. He is truly a friend of God, a friend of Jesus. And he begins his eternal life now, in time, already, before dying again. That is our hope, brothers and sisters. That's the hope that we saw in the prophet Ezekiel, the valley of dry bones. I will open your graves and have you rise for them. Israel was stuck in exile and thinking, I'm going to die before I see the salvation of God. And that'll be it. It'll be over. I'll never receive that blessing. And we are convinced, no, even though we die, we die with Christ. And he has but to remember our name as he remembered Noah in the ark, as he remembers Jonah and calls him again. He calls us each by name. He knows us because we've come to him. We've shared in his sacraments. We've shared in his life. We've spoken to him day in and day out. He remembers us. He will bless us. He will call us forth. So in this Eucharist, to remember those that have gone before us as well, this is where we are closest to them, Uh, to pray to God on their behalf. We utter their name to him, and he remembers them, and he will call them forth. And we will be with them one day in the resurrection and the life in Jesus Christ.